0: yeah, socially, not healthy, not good at all. Uh, You know, market forces, you would have thought, would mean people would leave London and move to the north of England where it's cheaper. But actually, that hasn't really happened. Um, Any concept of levelling up, well, it's just a sort of Chancellor and Prime Minister's pipe dream at the moment. So, you know, I'm not arguing that rising prices and unaffordability are a good thing. What I'm arguing is
1: Hello and welcome to the Fortune and Freedom podcast, where Nigel Farage and Nikolai Hubble give you a unique take on what's really going on in the world of finance, investing and politics. We hope you sit back and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to This Week in Review with Nigel Farage. I'm also back. I'm on day five of a seven-day COVID quarantine. I was only ill for about two days of that. But, Nigel, I think it's a reminder of the fact that COVID is still disrupting the global economy to a great extent. Are you worried about that persisting for much longer than people are expecting? Well, I'm not a medic,
0: but who's to say this won't go on for years? Who's to say this won't be just a sort of repetitive strain of flu uh, that isn't just limited to the winter months, but goes on throughout the year? Uh, you, you know, clearly uh, in parts of China and Hong Kong, uh, much of their economy has ground to a complete and total Halt! Uh, There are large numbers of people in the UK catching Covid. It's not quite uh, where it was at the peak, but it's still very significant. I mean, you know, a lot of people, I've had meetings with them the last fortnight have cancelled because they've been positive. Most haven't been that ill, but some have. Um, Yeah, it's not going away, but we are learning to live with it. Uh, We're learning to accept it. Uh, I think we are taking a few more precautions than we did. Um, but look, you know, we're not out of the woods yet, I'm afraid, and, and and we have to just face the fact that this could be here with us for a very long time to come.
1: What do you think that means for policymakers at central banks and governments? If they're thinking about this persisting for, for years to come, do you think they'll keep monetary policy and fiscal policy looser? Or do you think they're worried about the inflationary impact that it all has on the labour supply, especially, uh, but obviously, as we've seen, as a, just well, as a disruption well,
0: as well? I thought it was interesting this week that the Governor of the Bank of England, Andrew Bailey, actually, for the first time, kind of acknowledged there might be a problem. And you remember a year ago when you and I were talking about, in fact, more than a year ago, when we were talking about this, and no, it isn't going to happen, there's no problem at all. And then it was merely going to be transit, to remember, um, and this magnificent Governor of the Bank of England. Andrew out to lunch Bailey, as he was known when he worked in the city. Um, and he now says we are heading for stagflation and we've got a real problem. And the markets, particularly in America, you know, are pricing in seven, eight, nine um, hikes of interest rates over the course of the next year or so. Um, I still stick to the original idea that whilst interest rates will go up, they won't go up enough to really dampen down inflation because just the size of a national debt. Think about our repayments. You know, last year, the UK's debt repayment was almost exactly the same as the defence budget, all right? This year, it's getting on for double that. You know, we're looking at debt repayment in the UK, estimated for the next year to be 83 billion sterling up from about 45. So I still think this whole inflationary period of rising prices, of shortages. Uh, I think all of this continues, whilst at the same time, we don't get the kind of booming economic growth that we need, and COVID being part of that. So so the overall outlook is not that rosy.
1: Yeah, I think I was reading an article in the Financial Times about Andrew Bailey when he fell asleep during a meeting about a certain uh, scandals that he was supposed to be stopping while he was head of the, the regulator. Uh, and yeah, perhaps yeah. That, that sort of transfers quite well to this inflation story as well, as, as you've made the point. Let's move on to house prices there's some data out from a mortgage lender called nationwide to, to measure these house prices that are booming uh, and it's getting a bit out of control if you ask me we've got a uh, house prices rising at the fastest pace since 2004 and we know how that ended annual house price growth increased to 14.3 percent uh, this month, so it's an increasing pace of rises. Uh, the price of a typical UK home climbed to a new record high of two hundred and sixty-five thousand pounds, increasing by over thirty-three thousand pounds in the past year. Prices are now twenty-one percent higher than they were before the pandemic in early twenty-twenty. It's all so familiar, and now we've got rising interest rates. Are we going to see another housing bubble burst?
0: A logic, you know, would say to you purely on the statistics that you've just quoted, yes. But there's another factor here, isn't there? population. I mean, just think of this. There are 8 million more people living in the UK than there were at the turn of a century. 8 million. And we've got a population that is rising by half a million a year. And just think, we've opened the door to large numbers of people from Hong Kong. We're opening the door to large numbers of people coming from the Ukraine. Uh, The people that are coming the migrants that have come since 2000 tend to be young, tend to have quite a lot of children. So, if you think about the property market, the bottom end of it is completely propped up. Half a million more people in the UK every year, and we're building at best 200,000 new dwellings. Do the maths. So, you know, we may well get. Uh, some top end price drops in London, as there are fewer Russian oligarchs um, able to put their money in. I mean, I mean I'm big serious. Um, uh, but, but I do think the middle and lower ends of the market, even with rising interest rates, uh, I don't think they're going to fall that far. I just don't.
1: I want to give you another stat. This one's from the Wall Street Journal. It's only a few hours old, actually. And it's the one that I find really shocking. Uh, The median value of a US home last year rose by 52,000 US dollars, while Mm. the median wage for a US full-time worker was about 50,000. Which means that people are earning more money, unrealized, of course, but nevertheless, in the increase of the value of the median house than they are working full-time. Now that is a bit dangerous, it's exactly the sort of nonsense that we saw in the lead up to the 2008 crisis. Mm. It's causing, it must be causing a huge amount of turmoil, not just financially and economically, but also socially, right? Well, I think that's right.
0: I mean, look, you know, let's face it, I mean, who in London under 40 who hasn't got family money could even get onto the property ladder? I mean, socially, house prices rising the way they have is socially a bad thing. I remember George Osborne saying, if you vote Brexit, house prices will go down. I thought, good good it'll actually let people doing normal jobs get onto the housing ladder um yeah socially not healthy not good at all uh, you know market forces you would have thought would mean people would leave London and move to the north of England where it's cheaper but actually that hasn't really happened um, any concept of leveling up well it's just a sort of Chancellor's Chancellor and Prime minister's pipe dream at the moment so you know I'm not arguing that rising prices and unaffordability are a good thing what I'm arguing is, that for the lower end of the market to fall, with massively increasing demand every year, you know, even if we do get a housing setback, I don't see it being that great.
1: What fascinates me about it as well is how disconnected the politicians are about understanding these issues. And we've seen some funny articles and funny comments from politicians along the lines of, in Australia, for example, that the Prime Minister said, well, if you're struggling with rentals, why don't you buy a house?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, completely detached from reality and normality. But no, I just don't see these things changing yet. Um, I just don't. Uh, I I think we are, you know, we're stuck in this inflationary cycle. We're likely likely to be in it for a lot longer than any of the policymakers predicted. Um, And yet, you know, the main stock indices still incredibly strong.
1: Let's move on to commodities, which is what I really wanted to ask you about this week, Mm -hmm. uh, because there's been complete chaos in commodity markets for a long time now. Every week or month, it's a different commodity that's absolutely gone berserk, and and there's all sorts of trading chaos in the trading houses. And you know, your your past as a metals trader, I think, gives you yeah, a unique yeah. insight into this. So, can you sort of explain to people what's been going on and why in commodity markets?
0: Yeah, I mean, genuine genuine shortages, and the Ukraine war has highlighted so much of that. Uh, you know, sunflower sunflower oil, wheat. Uh, you know, many of the basic foodstuffs have gone absolutely through the roof. And um, the same applies, of course, to commodities, you know, oil, copper. Um, gold has been extremely volatile. Um, it's come down in the last few days. I think there must be elements of Russian selling uh, to raise money. There just has to be elements of that in the market. Um, yeah, metals, commodities, uh, nickel, of course, being the one that's kind of made a lot of the news headlines. London Metal Exchange not exactly covered itself in glory, I have to say. We should never have sold the exchange to the Chinese. And now they uh, do all sorts of perform, all sorts of contortions in the nickel market to protect a Chinese short. Not pretty, uh, could damage London's preeminence, actually, as the main metals centre in the world. So we're in one of these commodity super cycles. That's where we are. Um, and I just don't think it's over yet. Um, I really don't think it's over yet. Now, if you think about it, Since the start of the pandemic, governments have created a lot more money, so you have a lot more money chasing the same number of goods and services, and that's where you get rising prices and shortages, and it's going to be some time before that plays out of the system.
1: And that's what attracts people to commodities, is that finite supply, because they're tangible, there's only so much. How do you suggest people gain exposure to commodities? Because we can't all be London Metals exchange traders.
0: No, 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 no. I mean, you know, the average investor is not going to buy copper futures, and, and and frankly, let's be honest, nor should they, <laughs> because you get stuck in a in a cycle of margin calls if it goes wrong. Goodness knows what else. Uh, look, you know, mining stocks traditionally, um, you know, a, a good solid company in gold or copper, for argument's sake, if the commodity goes up, a well-run company goes up more than the price of the commodity goes up. That's one way of doing it. But there are also all sorts of ETFs out there, um, uh, and you know. Uh, In America, people looking at uranium, uh, for argument's sake. You know, a lot of talk now, a lot of talk now um, in this country, in Germany, in Belgium. Big open debate in America. Uh, So you know, there's one little example. You know, there are uranium ETFs that people can invest in, and I think that's the way to do it. To actually go in and, and try and become a commodity trader, please don't do it
1: and don't try and buy any uranium to store at home either. Um Nigel, thanks for for declaring the commodity supercycle alive. We've got on Tuesday I believe an interview with Shay Russell who's going to be joining us as a contributor to Fortune and Freedom. She's going to talk about that commodity supercycle as well because that's her area of expertise. So everyone at home please do tune in to watch that. Nigel, thanks for joining us today and to everyone at home, thanks for Thank watching. You.